welcome to Southcrest. We are so glad you are here with us this morning. Um, I also want to welcome my LaGrange campus and all those viewing us online for this Memorial Day weekend. We are glad you are here. You know, for many of us, Memorial Day weekend kind of kicks off the summer. A lot of us get our, our start, make our plans around this weekend. Uh, I know for our students, beach camp is coming up, and so they're very excited. They can't wait to, to go do that. And uh, again, please remember, pray for those students that they would encounter God in a special way this week. Uh, that's the whole point of beach camp, is for them to encounter God in a way that's near and dear to them. Also, I would encourage you guys to pray for those leaders. Um, pray for those leaders that they're able to connect and make those engagements with those students, especially if they happen to have middle school boys. Uh, be praying for them, especially. It's amazing how people so small can create such hideous odors at that age. It's incredible, but, but please, please keep us in your prayers. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, we are keeping a close eye on what's happening down in that area with the storm. Uh, we have our staff already down there getting prepared. Uh, Brandon has been talking with them. And so we're, we're, we're definitely taking this very seriously and praying for safety. But we also know God wants to do something great. And so we're excited and praying for what God's going to do in the lives of these students. But on May 5th, 1868, General John A. Logan a leader of an organization for Northern Civil War veterans, called for a nationwide day of remembrance later that month. He said the 30th of May, 1868, is designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion and whose bodies now lie in almost every city, village, and hamlet churchyard in the land, he proclaimed. This date of decoration day, as he called it, was chosen because it wasn't the anniversary of any particular battle. So on the first decoration day, General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, and 5,000 participants decorated the graves of 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers who lied there. But during Memorial Day, as Decoration Day gradually became known, originally honored only those who lost their lives while fighting in the Civil War. But, but then we entered into World War I, and the United States found itself embroiled in another major conflict, and the holiday began to include and commemorate any American personnel who died in war whatsoever. For decades, Memorial Day was honored on May 30th, the date Logan had selected for the first Decoration Day. But in 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, which established Memorial Day as the last Monday in May in order to create a three-day weekend for federal employees. And this change went into effect in 1971. The same law also dedicated Memorial Day a federal holiday, so all of us could also get three-day weekends from our employers as well. But listen to what Ronald Reagan had to say on Memorial Day in 1982 about those who gave their lives for their country. He, goes, he said, we must try to honor them, not for their sakes alone, but for our own. And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men, surely with our actions, we must strive to keep faith with them and with the vision that led them to battle and to final sacrifice. Our first obligation to them and ourselves is plain enough. The United States and the freedom for which it stands, the freedom for which they died, must endure and prosper. Their lives remind us that freedom is not brought cheaply. It has a cost. It imposes a burden. 
And just as they whom we commemorate were willing to sacrifice, so too we, in a less final, less heroic way, be willing to give of ourselves. You see, the importance of Memorial Day is more for our future than it is for our past. It's a crucial that we remember the nightmares that happen or we forget them at our own peril. You see, the future of the United States depends in large amount on how well we collectively remember and cherish what liberty really is and what tyranny is all about. You see, there is a high cost for forgetting. In the word of George Santayana's famous aphorism, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church, said this, We tend to remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. That's why we need Memorial Day. If you would, just please bow with me in prayers. We pray for those who, who gave all. Heavenly Father, God, today is yours. We thank you for giving us this beautiful opportunity to honor the men and women who so bravely served this country in the past as well as in the present. Today we remember a sacrifice made and a debt God, we cannot repay. I am thankful for the sacrifice so many throughout our history have made, for the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice, and for their families who had to carry on without them. It is a sacrifice that is easy to forget. God, today I pray that you bless the families of those who've lost loved ones while serving our great nation. Keep them safe, comfort their hearts. And Heavenly Father, as our nation pauses to remember those in the military who have given their lives for freedom, the freedoms that we enjoy, God, I pray that you would have us all look to you for strength, comfort, and guidance. Be with all those who serve in our armed forces and bless them and their families. Grant your loving protection. Lord, let your mercy rest upon our land, even as we thank you for the past goodness in our country. But most of all, we pray that you should turn our hearts of our military and civilian to you. For you alone are righteous and holy. You alone are worthy of praise. We thank you for hearing our prayers. In the name of Jesus, amen. But the idea of remembering people and remembering is, is very common to us. Uh, many of us are on social media, and it's almost like a constant reminder of our past. Uh, th this, this last week, uh, my family went to, to Zoo Atlanta for our uh, end of the school year traditional trip that we do. And uh, each of us, you know, has our favorite animal we, we love to go and see when we're at the zoo. I mean, all of us enjoy the gorillas. Um, they're, they're entertaining to watch. And, um, you know, we got there at 145 for feeding time and they didn't feed them. So, I mean, the gorillas were sitting around going, what's going on? We were like, what's going on? But, you know, that's what happens sometimes. But we, have, we had a good time there. Uh, my son, Benjamin, loves the red panda. And so we got to go see the red panda. And he was actually like right next to the walkway there on one of his tree houses. This is really cool. Uh, me, I, I like the Komodo dragon. Uh, I have a, uh, like him. Usually when you go see him, he's just laying there like all the time. Uh, and so he was actually walking around, like, I guess, looking for another spot in the sun to lie down. So we actually got to see him move. Uh, that's a really big lizard, by the way. I think it's huge. Uh, but it, it was exciting and great to see there. But when we got back uh, the next day, I had a memory on Facebook. And it was from three years ago when my family went to the zoo. 
And uh, like I said, it's a year in trip that we make, but it was just interesting to see that connection again of that past bringing it up. Uh, the children are much younger. Um, I was much younger. There wasn't so much of this white stuff on my face. I don't know what that is. But, you know, it was, you see these memories. And so we're constantly reminded of our past. And, and it's always an encouraging thing. Um, as, but those reminders can serve um, as reflections for us as well. But we remember people other ways. It's not just on social media. Um, oftentimes, uh, when a loved one passes, th- there's an obituary that's written. And one of the reasons for the obituary is to bring honor to that person, remind people of the lives that they lived and, and who they had. And um, I-, I was looking at some obituaries, and I want to share um, some sections of three obituaries that I read that I thought were unique, um, if you will. So the first one is uh, Pat Stocks, 94, passed away peacefully at her home in bed on July 1st, 2015. It is believed it was caused from carrying her oxygen tank up the long flight of stairs to her bedroom that made her heart give out. She left behind a heck of a lot of stuff to her daughter and sons who have no idea what to do with it. So if you're looking for two extremely large TVs from the 90s, a large ceramic stork, we think, an umbrella cane stand, a toaster oven slightly used, or even a 2001 Oldsmobile with a spoiler. She loved to put the pedal to the metal. Uh, with only 71,000 miles, and we also have a 1,000 tools that we aren't sure what we're used for, you should wait the appropriate amount of time to get in touch. Tomorrow would be fine. <clears throat> now, you know, they say you can't take it with you when you go, but when you go, you leave it to a bunch of other people, and apparently it's not always appreciated when you leave a bunch of stuff to those people. Uh, let me read another one. William Ziegler escaped this mortal realm on Friday, July 29, 2016, at the age of 69. We think he did it on purpose to avoid having to make a decision in the pending presidential election. He leaves behind four children, five grandchildren, and the potted meat industry, for which he was an unofficial spokesman, until dietary restrictions forced him to eat real food. William volunteered for service in the United States Navy at the ripe age of 17, and immediately realized he didn't much enjoy being bossed around. He only stuck it out for one war, but before his discharge, however, the government exchanged numerous ribbons and medals for various honorable acts. Upon his return to the city of New Orleans in 1971, thinking it best to keep an eye on him, the government officials hired William as a fireman. After 25 years, he suddenly realized that running away from burning buildings made more sense than running toward them. He promptly retired. Now, hopefully he knew the Lord so he can avoid fires in the afterlife as well. But finally, the last obituary was Scott E. Insminger, 55, of Mansfield, died Thursday, July 4th, 2013 at his residence. Born January 8th, 1958 in Columbus, Ohio, he was the son of William and Martha Insminger. He retired from General Motors after 32 years of service. He was an accomplished musician, loved playing the guitar, and was a member of the Old Fogies Band. A lifelong Cleveland Browns fan and season ticket holder, he also wrote a song each year and sent it to the Cleveland Browns as well as offering other advice on how to run the team. He respectfully requests six Cleveland Brown pallbearers so the Browns can let him down one last time. Ah, uh, yeah. I tell you, the Browns, after this last season, could have used a song, a poem, uh, anything to, to help them through this season. So, um, yeah. But you, you got to love some people's senses of humor um, that they write. And, you know, but that's the way we remember people. 
Uh, but many of us have memories that we all cherish, uh, whether it's a relative or friend who has passed. It, it may be childhood memories, a, a vacation, a, a trip that you took that you love the most. Um, but we all have those memories that are near and dear to us. Now, many of you probably know someone who graduated high school this weekend. Um, do you remember your high school graduation? Uh, for some of us, it's, it's been a while. Mine was 25 years ago. But, you know, we, we think about those times and we think about graduation. There, there are those who graduate with so much pride in their accomplishments. Uh, most of us, when we graduate, are just thankful that we're done. And, and some of our parents are just relieved that we actually graduated. And... Um, we find ourselves looking back and remembering our past can also give us a better perspective sometimes on our future. Um, Christians, of all people, understand the crucial importance of remembering. Uh, we are, as Christians, a memorial people um, because the whole of our faith depends upon remembering. Those who persevere into the glorious future have to remember the gracious past given to them. And so this Memorial Day weekend, what I want to do with you guys is, is walk through and look at some of the people who have given their lives for the cause of Christ. You see, because God knew we would struggle following him and it would be difficult. And for many of us, it would cause pain and suffering. That is why the Bible tells us to take up our cross daily. Now, of all the things that told us to take up, it says the cross. It was an instrument of torture, of pain, and of death. But that reminds us we must be prepared for suffering every day. But what else should we expect? Jesus, the kindest, most compassionate person who ever lived on this earth, was hated and murdered. What more could we expect for ourselves? Just take a look at the 11 disciples who stayed with Jesus and look at what happened to them. Six of them were crucified. Uh, Peter actually requested to be crucified upside down because he did not think himself worthy to die the same way that Jesus had died. Two were killed by the sword. One was run through with a spear. Another was just beaten to death. And John, the beloved disciple, he's the only disciple who actually died of old age. But don't get me wrong, he was beaten many times in an exile to the island of Patmos. But there's more in Scripture that tells us about the suffering people did for the cause of Christ. Uh, the author of the book of Hebrews tells us some more. If you look at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, starting verse 35, the second section be there. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might be rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect." You see, Paul himself shares with the church at Corinth uh, some of the things that even uh, happened to him. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 27, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. You know, I think sometimes we read these accounts in the Bible and we, and we think, you know, well, that happened to the early church and, and we, we tend to brush it off. I mean, in all honesty, that was like 2,000 years ago. Surely things have gotten better in, in 2,000 years. And, and they did for a little while. And then we see kind of in the middle evil period time that the church decided to get very involved into the political structure of Europe. Uh, the, the Pope and a lot of his followers um, started to really inundate and, and get involved with kings and making of policy and state religions. And, and so what the Pope and, and the church did at that time was there was a group known as Jesus Followers. Um, because they didn't listen to what the Pope and the church said. They read the scripture for themselves and realized, hey, this is what Jesus is actually telling us. We need to follow him. And, and so they were labeled as heretics. Uh, they were labeled as people who were against the church. Uh, what I find interesting about this is if you look back to what the Pharisees were in the, in the New Testament, that is what the church in medieval times had become. In other words, if you don't do what we say, then we're going to call you a heretic and we're going to condemn you to death. Now, this kind of death they did, with thousands of Jesus followers were given the option to deny their true faith or be burned alive at a stake. And in the words of Captain Jack Sparrow, the only rules that really matter are these, what a man can do and what a man can't do. And for these Jesus followers, they could not deny Jesus. So they stood by their faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you remember from Daniel 3, uh, verses 16 through 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we shall not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so many of these martyrs died. And some of the most notable martyrs in that group were famous Bible translators who took the Bible out of Latin and put it actually into the vernacular, into the English that's spoken at that time, were people like John Wycliffe and William Tinsdale. And what's interesting is you read these stories of these people who are martyred and who are killed for their, face, uh, for their faith. Many of them, actually, when they're taken to the stake, run up to the stake and hug it and kiss it. They're, they're excited they're getting to die for Jesus' sake. Uh, some of these men hugged the bundles of sticks and straw they used to ignite the fires, and they, they wrapped them around their bodies, counting it pure joy that they are worthy to be killed for the cause of Christ. You see, all of these events are much more recent 
but I still that we can f- overlook those that happened because, I mean, this was medieval times. We call it what? The Dark Ages. I mean, they were, they were so uneducated back then. And we, again, can brush this off and say, well, that doesn't happen. That, that happened way back then. But I could go on and on. I could spend hours today telling you stories of people who gave their lives all around the world following Christ, even to today. We have those stories of people who are killed for what they believe. But let me sum it up this way instead. General George S. Patton, after World War II, in in a speech, asked people not to focus so much on the loss of soldiers. But he said we should thank God that he created such noble soldiers who are willing to lay down their lives for others. You see, a few weeks ago, my family was blessed to be part of the, the Great Wolf Lodge soft opening uh, down in the city of LaGrange. And um, we spent two days at this water park um, having to help them test their equipment and make sure everything worked out okay. It, it was a very difficult task. Um, there's a lot of stairs to climb to go down those water slides. And there was nobody there, and so there were no lines. And so you had to walk up those stairs nonstop over and over again. You had to. It was not an option. Um, and, and we suffered, and we sacrificed through uh, that day at the water park. And um, I, I remember as we were getting ready to leave, and uh, we were all getting up, my youngest daughter, Alexa, she started to cry. Um, apparently, she was not done testing out the equipment, and she wanted to stay longer and was very upset that we had to leave. But, but my wife, Angie, kind of knelt down, looked at her and said, instead of being upset that we have to go, be thankful that we had the opportunity to come. You see, as we remember those who have gone before us, we shouldn't be so concerned about how they died, but more so about how they lived. And be thankful that they came. So, so how does that affect us today? I mean, what is the point of all this memorial talk today? And why is it important to remember? Well, let's look again at Hebrews uh, chapter 13, first three verses there. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. That word remember here in this passive is an imperative. So what it means is that involvement at some option, at some level is not optional. Remembering those who suffered for Christ before us should draw us into action. Remembering demands action. We must not do nothing. For instance, right after spring break this year, I remembered what it was like to be healthier. And so I decided to take action and to lose some weight. So I decided to eat low carb and and start running again. Now, this decision would require extreme sacrifice on my part. As I eat low carb, I, I remember days, beautiful days of eating pizza, going to Taco Bell, grabbing a cheeseburger. But all those have been put behind me. But God is faithful, and God has provided. Uh, You see, I I have a men's life group that meets at Chick-fil-A on Wednesday mornings. And and several of these men have sacrificed themselves, have locked arms with me in this struggle. 
And when we go to Chick-fil-A, we, we order the, the hash brown breakfast bowl uh, with grilled chicken, no hash browns. And together, we fight the good fight. And although it can be difficult, even in Christian chicken land, it can be difficult. We do what we must do to hold fast to the commitments that we've made. And the devil will attack you. Don't get me wrong. He will bring ice cream and candy bars your way. But you must persevere and do what God has called you to do. So what are you living for today? What is it that you are saying, you know what? Here's what me looking, living for Christ will look like. And it's not a weird question to ask. The apostle Paul even asked this question of himself. He, he wrote to the church in Philippi and he asked this very question, looking at Philippians 1, 21 through 24. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is even more necessary on your account. In, in other words, our lives here should be focused on living for Christ. And so that term living for Christ, what does that look like? How do we, how do we live that out? Well, at first it looks like loving God first and then loving people second. It's sharing with other people what God has done in your life. It's not worrying about what you can't control and trusting God. It's not living in fear, but it's living by faith. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be really, really hard. It might even cost you. It might cost you time. It might cost you money. It might cost you relationships. But there's good news. that God promised us he would always give us more than enough. Uh, many of us have heard John 10, 10 before. It says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have, come I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, when I hear that word, when I think of the word abundant, I automatically go to think of Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter whose family we spend the holiday with. There's an abundance of food and dressing or stuffing, uh, whichever you prefer. But there's this abundance there, which means there's more than enough for me. There's usually enough for other people. And then somehow at the end of the meal, there's still tons of leftovers that we have. Now, if your family get-togethers are anything like ours, you probably understand this principle of abundance. But just take that thought now and apply it to what God says of how you move it to your life. It means that the blessing that God gives you in your life, how he's blessed you, and that he's come to give you an abundant life means there's, there's plenty of blessing for you in this life. And there's enough of that blessing to share with other people. And there'll be some left over. That is what the abundant life God calls us about. You see, as we live for Christ, we must remember that God is our Father. And, and as our Father, He wants to bless us. He wants to give us and provide abundantly for all of our needs. Uh, listen to what Paul has to say, Romans eight sixteen through 18. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, no matter what living for God costs us, it is worth it. Ask any one of those who was killed for their faith in Christ if they were worth it, and they would gladly tell you, yes, it was worth every bit of it. So what would happen in our world today if the children of God, Jesus followers, started living for Christ? Well, I can promise you that would make some people very angry. They would attack the church and all those who follow Jesus. But why wouldn't they? They attacked and killed Jesus. But I also know that thousands and thousands of people would see that compassion. Those people would see that humility. Those people would see that genuine love that we have for others. And that would draw them to come to Christ. As I studied and and read all about these martyrs in the medieval times that, that were burned at the stake, it says that thousands of hundreds and hundreds of people would come to these executions to watch them happen. But they didn't come to cheer on the execution and celebrate their deaths. Rather, they came to see these people who were being killed. And they came to see them as they glorified God through their life in admiration, in respect. One story is told of a, one of the jailers, the sheriffs who was in charge of watching one of these saintly men. And he walked him up to the stake and they got up on the stool and he, as he tied him to the stake, the jailer got down and then stood off to the side and took off his armor, took off everything about him and walked back up to the stake and hugged that man to die with him. Because in that time he spent with that saintly man, one thing he realized was that there was a truth and that truth was Christ. And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is worth dying for. But more importantly, he's worth living for. Romans 8, 38-39 says it this way. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you accept that kind of love from Christ today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we come to you this Memorial Day. God, remembering the life that your son lived. God, a perfect life. A life without sin, a life without blemish. God, a life that he came to live for one purpose to redeem those who you love. And God, I am so thankful today that you love all of us. And God, there's many people in this room today who who know that you love us, have heard about that love, and God, have have accepted you as as that gift that you've given of grace. But God, there may be some in this room today, God, who don't have that relationship with you.
sure they may have heard about you. They may have been in church their whole lives, but they've, they've never truly taken that next step to, to live a life for Christ. And today, maybe they're thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to live for Christ today. I'm ready to, 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 to step out and say, you know what? I don't care what it's gonna cost me. I don't care what other people think. God, I wanna serve you first and foremost. If that's you today, you just say a simple prayer. The, the words of this prayer don't matter. What matters is your heart crying out to the heart of your father saying, God, I need you. We just say a simple prayer, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you for loving me. I believe that your son, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, that he died, but more importantly, three days later, he rose again, that we might have eternal life through you. And so God, today, God, I want that relationship with you. Forgive me of my sins. Come live in my life. Be Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for loving me. You know me pray. Amen. When you came in today, there was a, a connect card in your seat back in front of you. If you would take a few moments to pull that card out. And on that card in the front, about two-thirds of the way down, there's a, there's a gray band that gray band has a little checkbox down there that says, I accepted Christ for the first time today. And so today, if you accepted Christ for the first time, would you please check that box? But I'm asking you to do something different too today. If you're like, you know what, I want to check that box, but I'm not sure what that means. I'm a little confused about that. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to put a question mark by that box. And one of our staff will get in touch with you and contact you and share with you a little bit more about what it means to live a life for Christ. Also, maybe your next step of faith will be baptism or, or, or taking some next step. And if that's you, then I would encourage you in the next little bit to, on that card, there's a place for baptism, for volunteering, for membership. Maybe living for Christ for you looks like taking a step a little bit differently. So at both campuses, it doesn't matter. You can take those steps and you can turn those cards into the ushers as you leave today. But what better way to celebrate Memorial Day than to remember Christ and what Christ did for us? And the way as Christians we do that is through communion. As we prepare to take communion today, I want to share just a few points of why we celebrate communion. You see, it is done in remembrance of what Christ did. To keep fresh in our minds his dying for us. As well as us to remember Christ pleading for us right now in virtue of his death at God's right hand. You see, it's not merely in remembrance of Christ, of what he has done and suffered, but to celebrate his grace and our redemption. You see, we declare his death to be our life, the spring of all of our comforts and hopes. If we aren't careful, communion, like every other ritual, can lose its meaning. It just becomes empty. But this is about reminding ourselves of what's truly important. Let me say this, what is really important is what God, our Heavenly Father, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, down the cross so that we could be saved and in right relationship with Him. Now, I want to tell you right now, and please hear me, if you don't have anything else in this life, but you have a relationship with Jesus, then you have everything. But at the same time, if you think you have everything else and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you have nothing. Nothing. 